Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey everyone, and welcome back to A Little Better. Thanks for listening again each and every week. We are getting closer and closer to summer that you, what, what? Something that you might call summer. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, with the official start of summer being one week from today. And I don't know, I guess technically Memorial Day starts summer, but what feels like the start of summer to you, Drew? When the sun shows up. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't think Rochester, July. Pro- Rochester doesn't have a problem with summer. It's spring. Where did spring go? Spring left the building. I love people who say, I love Rochester for the four seasons. I'm like, no, there's zero factual about that comment. Rochester has three seasons, sometimes two, fall and winter. And summer makes (laughs) an appearance. Like I, I, this, I just can't get over people who say that. It drives me insane. Yeah. And the four seasons here are just amazing. It's like, no. It's there really has not one been a week spring. ago. It doesn't, it doesn't spring doesn't have snow like that, that yeah. those things aren't together. So you definitely get three seasons here, but not four. I Love completely you. agree with, I completely agree with that. I spring has never been my favorite. Uh, summers here, in my opinion, are pretty amazing. I love that. Yes. But the spring part is it doesn't winter just drag. And my yard in particular is kind of, um, I don't know, whatever, something about it, the way that it drains, it sits wet, like very Soggy. wet until mm-hmm. like, you know, June. So <laughs> anytime that our kids are in the backyard, they're wearing like rain boots squishing around until June. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, we're getting close to Memorial Day and something that we didn't talk about last week, the, the news dominating the headline in a few ways last week was two big things. One of which we addressed, which was that New York state in the Finger Lakes region entering phase one. Um, but another thing that we didn't talk about, and honestly, I'll, I'll take full responsibility for the fact that we didn't talk about it. I'm usually kind of leading the conversation, but Ahmad Arbery and, um, his tragic death, um, was, and still is, you know, a big part of what's in the news right now. And we didn't talk about it. And so I wanted to, and we had talked about how we wanted to bring it back up and just make a few comments on that. Um, I, I recognize that silence can look and feel pretty frustrating on something this important. You know, if our, I recognize Drew, you know, you and I both used our social media and a lot of members of our staff to, to comment on the wrongness of that entire situation and so much about it. Um, but if nothing comes out officially from our church, it can feel like, wait, do they know, do they care? Are they intentionally being silent? Does their silence mean something? And so I want to come out and just say, the fact that we didn't talk about it on the podcast last week, which would have been probably better timing, it's just literal. That's on me. That's just a logistic that I dropped the ball on. Um, as we sat down to do the recording, what was on my mind was like phase one. Oh my goodness, what does this mean for us? And so um, that's just yeah, that's me. And so I don't want that to be. I'm sure it was hurtful to some, maybe in some ways, but um, I want to be clear that it was not our intention, despite the fact that our intention doesn't always line up with our impact. So I. I, I want to apologize in that sense, but, um, yeah, t- just drew, give me a little bit of your sense. What has your reaction been? What kind of emotions have you gone through? How have you processed this? Yeah, I, I would say my, the biggest emotion I'm feeling is just sadness. Um, it just, it, and I know people don't like this word, but I'm going to use it cause it, it I think it, 
it describes what I'm feeling. It just sucks that we have to deal with this still in our, our culture mm-hmm. in our communities, um, you know, racism. And again, I, I don't know all the details. I'm not going to pretend like I know all the details, but when I saw that video, man, my heart was just broken. Um, that we, we are still dealing with all this stuff in our culture and I'm, I'm heartbroken. Um, I'm saddened and I just want it to go away. I do. And you know, we're, our our church doesn't really make a ton of public statements. You know, it's just, that's not who we are and that's not who we're going to be. Um, we, we allow people on our staff to, to, you know, make their statements as individuals, but also know they represent our church. And so to do it well, but I just, I want this to go away, you know, and Mm -hmm. I want, I want to see, you know, people come together and I hope maybe this, this situation is, is maybe the thing that brings us together. It's been cool seeing the response of the community um, saying, we got to do something about this. And maybe this poor guy's life is the thing that, you know, moves us in the right direction. Um, I don't know. I don't know what will. Um, I, I do actually know what will. The gospel will. Um, sure. Christ living in us. But I'm heartbroken. I feel for this mom who's lost her son at such a young age. Yeah. Um, I know the pain of losing somebody you love. And yeah. it's, it's just hard to navigate. And so I'm really saddened by the whole situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And I'm sure, um, especially for our brothers and sisters of color around the country, this is feels like just one more in a long train. And that's true for everyone, but the acuteness of feeling like that's someone that, you know, looks like you and lives in your life experience is different than what I could, you know, say or feel as a, you know, as a person in the majority culture in that sense. And I think something that has struck me is um, from some of the people that I'm seeing is it's not even just so much that it's still happening. That's so sad because still almost seems like there was a time I don't mean this to be correct of you. I'm just, I'm just processing, like still almost makes it seem like there was a time where it stopped, but then like, wait, is this still happening? Like it just popped up again, but it's like, it's just the fact that this persists, meaning this has always been happening and it continues to happen that like, how in the world are people still is, you know, racism still just such a big part of our daily life experience and, and woven into the fabric of our society. It just, obviously, even if, slavery, the vestiges of slavery are just still so alive and well. And that's so heartbreaking and disappointing. And also I'm sure one, one emotion I felt in all this is just helpless. Like I don't necessarily know what to do, even though there are action steps and there's power in that. I mean, obviously there have been significant steps taken by the state of Georgia and and, in that in this, as a result of public outrage, but it still feels like it's just so big, you know? And, and I'll say that's something that sometimes leads me to both silence and inaction is I don't want to say the wrong thing. So as a result of not saying when I'm saying the wrong thing, I don't say anything and I don't want to do the wrong thing. So that means I don't do anything. And but neither like silence and inaction are not the right thing. I know that. But then at the same time, sometimes I just feel confused about what the right steps are. And I've been trying to do my homework and, and read a lot and listen to different voices than I normally would. But I, I'm just expressing the feeling of, of um, I'm very accustomed to talking in my lane this is something that came to me with talking with a friend the other day, like you and I drew, like we were trained in theology and we're pastors. And so we like to talk about things that we're used to talking about. And we're, I would say, quote, good at it, right? We feel comfortable, but this feels outside of my lane. And so I'm just not used to getting on and processing either it's on a mic or even just with friends. Like I'm used to feeling like I know what the next right step is. And so this feeling of 
humility and fear and indecision and all that is something I'm just not comfortable living in. And that should be motivating me to get more educated and more confident and to take baby steps. It shouldn't drive me to silence and inaction, but I'll just admit that's what it, that's what it does sometimes because <laughs> I'm just I, not I think, sure what is right. I think a lot of people relate to that. They do because they don't want to, they don't want to make the problem bigger by saying something ignorant or stupid. So a lot of people just stay still. And I think knowledge is, is power. So I think you said it well. I think it, for a lot of us, we just need to, to, to get knowledge and, and read and do some research and talk to some people who know it better than I do. Go to some gatherings of people who are educating. They're, they're, they're out there. It's just a matter oh, of making, making the time and, and going and being educated on it. So. And allowing this, allowing the feeling of this outreach to drive us into action in the future, right? We, this is within our grasp. We don't just have to ask our brothers and sisters of color to like, tell me all the things we can do the research, we can do the work, um, but we just have to do it. And we have to allow this to not just stop with this moment. But anyway, Ahmad Arbery, the whole situation is awful. I hate it. Felt sick, still feel sick. And I just wanted to have said something here on the podcast um, about it. So, uh there's no good transition. So I'm just going to start talking about something different. <laughs> uh, speaking of news, I guess, in the phases, um, we are getting word from what we can tell. We're in phase one that Regal Corporate is saying that nationally they're looking to reopen um, around the time that phase four is going to begin here in New York State. And phase four is when theaters would begin to be able to be open. We have no idea what restrictions that's going to mean for our state, but I'm excited personally that Regal seems to be saying, A, they're still a company that exists <laughs> that hasn't gone bankrupt and that they have plans to reopen and that it's not like in September. Because at the moment, Regal represents 50% of our campuses. So we care pretty a lot about what movie theaters do. So at, Mark Nelson and I are encouraged to be getting some of that news, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's great news. And, you know, as our economy begins to reopen, I, I just think this is so cool. And I want to celebrate God for a second. Just this move to go permanent at Webster, you know, this was a huge decision, a, a decision full of faith. And I just think it's really cool how it's played out. You know, obviously, when we were planning on taking this leap of faith, no one thought a pandemic was coming. No one thought like, oh, we might need an extra building when we go back to meeting because Regal right. might not be available. And we don't know if Regal will be. We know they're a corporate offices are open. We don't know what they're going to allow us to do. We don't have a say. We, we have to follow what they say because they own the company. We're just leasing right. from them. But the fact that we will have two facilities hopefully ready to go when we are able to go, whenever that is, I just think that's cool. And it's an yeah. underlying thing in the decision of faith to go forward with 78 Saul Road that we never saw coming, but God did and he blessed us with it. So thank I you, Lord. I love that. And because, I mean, schools are going to be one of the most difficult buildings to get in from here on out. So just the fact that we're moving away from the more difficult environment is such a blessing. So God, of course, was in charge and anticipating that. So going we're grateful because it, it felt like a toss up, right? When you're thinking Webster yeah. in Greece and like, I'm not sure which one and the, you know, 780 came available. So God's always working it out. We're, we're grateful. Um, but Speaking of Sunday, we finished up a life. Speaking of Sunday, I don't think we were speaking of Sunday, um, but regardless, the we finished up a life that matters. And I have kind of a silly question as we were getting started because Lauren said something during the message that I <laughs> I want to ask you about. Um, you started talking about Bill Gates, right? And as a as an example of a philanthropist and somebody who's done a lot of good in the world, <laughs> so I mean, she was like, "Did you talk?" did you guys talk about the fact that this was going to be controversial? And I was like, nope, we'll see how this goes. 
Have you gotten any negative? Because there's obviously there's a lot of conspiracy theories flying around and Bill Gates seems to be at the middle of all of them. So did anybody write you about how like he's the Antichrist or something? No, no one sent me any messages. I did make a comment in my message. Like the nuances of preaching sometimes can be really annoying. But I did say, hey, I don't agree with everything Bill Gates is doing. (laughs) But... I think it's the I think it's the comparison of like if I had his money I wouldn't even care about disease or anything. No. I'd be living my best life on my island with my private jet and with like you know whatever I wanted. He's actually investing in our community and you know I'm not saying he's doing it from a biblical, you know, viewpoint. He's just you know doing something. It might, it might even be all self ego driven. I have no clue. I'm just saying he's do, from our perspective, it looks like he's trying to do some good. That was my whole totally. point. So I think people understood that. I wasn't saying Bill Gates is amazing and he's trying to put chips in our bodies and you know, all this <laughs> conspiracy stuff. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I just think from an outside perspective, a billionaire investing billions, not into himself, maybe into himself, but into the, the communities around, I think sure. you can label that as good. Yeah. And, and, I think my my view is that history is going to remember him for the philanthropy, right? Unless it turns out that he is, you know, the leader of the one world order and he's just going to take over our bodies and he's the Antichrist, then he'll be remembered for that. But I mean, like, even you think about like the big bazillionaires from ages past, like Andrew Carnegie or somebody or Carnegie, however you say it, they're remembered. I'm sure they weren't like the nicest dudes. What they're remembered for as an oil tycoon or a steel tycoon or whatever they built libraries and they built hospitals and whatever. And like their names on the side, that's what they're remembered for generations later is that they use their money to help people and do nice things. And I'm sure that's how he'll be remembered as well. So it was a great example. I don't think anything was wrong with the illustration. I just, Lauren looked at me like, I think there's going to be some people for that. And I thought that was any, anytime there you use a name like that, I think there's just, there, there is a little bit of like hesitation from my end of like, you can't pick anybody who everybody's going to be like, Oh, that guy's perfect. You know, what a is, great illustration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's definitely, I mean, I've heard the number that he'll give away a hundred billion dollars by the time he, by the time he's dead, which is just ridiculous. I don't understand that. But anyway, the point is um, he's trying to do some good, which uh, was kind of the heart of this message is tension, right? We were writing the series and thinking it through and recognizing that like the more you write about like, you know, p- pay attention to your kids and give away money and be a nice person, it can end up sounding like we were joking. It kind of sounds like a country song at the end of the day. Like the song Live Like You Were Dying actually gives a lot of this advice. And that's not from a Christian perspective. So how do we take what is honestly just solid, good advice, put down your phone, pay attention to your kids, uh, you know, try to make a difference with your life. That's all just good human stuff. It's not even necessarily Christian. It's just good human stuff. How do you wed that together with ultimately something that's a biblical worldview, which is what this message tried to accomplish? Yeah. I think in anything that we do, we can do the right things with the wrong motive and it'd be wrong. You know, that's why I think the Bible says God looks at people's hearts, not their actions, not their goodness, because man, I can, I, I do this in my own life. I try to do good. Like you know, loving my wife and I can do it out of motive. Like I'm trying to get what I want out Mm -hmm. of my wife and it's a wrong motive. And that's why I think you got to search deep when it comes to like living a moral life. There's a lot of people who live moral lives that, you know, will be separated from God. I think the scariest verse in all the Bible is like, you know, the verse that's like, I think it's in Matthew. It's like, there'll be a lot of people who prophesy in my name, who do good in my name. But when they get to me, I'll say, depart from me. You, Mm -hmm. You know, like, I never knew you. Right. 
whoa, like, and that's really what it is, is like, as a church, we're not trying to create good people who do good things. We're trying to create followers of Jesus who have the same heart that Jesus has. And when you got the same heart Jesus has, you'll do a lot of good because Mm -hmm. man, you'll love people, but it's not about doing good. It's about having the right heart. And that is a razor thin line, right? I mean, that's why this is such a difficult tension because there genuinely are good, as you illustrated, there are good, you know, quote, good people in the world doing quote, good things. In fact, a lot of really good nonprofits are run by non-Christians and whatever. Like there are people out there trying to do quote, good things. And one thing that I am always encouraged by is that like, that's a, um, that's a vestige of the image of God, right? No, people don't do unselfish things if it weren't for the fact that God wired into us this sense that like there are good things that you can do or there are bad things that you can do. And we have an inclination to kind of like, even if it's just out of good, bad motives, we kind of want to do things that make us look good. You know, (laughs) that's why even really rich, terrible people give away money because A, it's a tax benefit, which by the way, the fact that it's a tax benefit is because our government is trying to incentivize good action because yeah. <laughs> they recognize if you give money to good causes, good things happen. So it's a, just a razor thin line. And I think that's what so many churches throughout history have ended up getting wrong is that they get so caught in the like, let's be good people. Let's make sure we come across well. Let's even get caught up in the positive mission of the, the implications of the gospel, whether that's compassion ministry, or we're going to start hospitals, or we're going to start orphanages. And these are all like, it's amazing work. Christian work should always be typified by that kind of compassionate action. But it's just so easy, like in an instant, you can lose the heart of that. And then all of a sudden, you're just the same as every other organization out there who's just trying to be nice. I think so the scary hard. part where like the implications of this can hit people is like, I think as single people, and I know a lot of times, you know, sometimes single people can feel alienated, but if you're a single person listening, one way you can really get hurt by this is through dating. I remember when I was dating a girl in high school and my parents were like, Drew, she's not right for you. She's not right for you. And I'm like, she's a good person. Look at all the good she's doing. Like I, she's got to love Jesus. So it was my, I was emotionally charged. So I was already Mm -hmm. invested. So I wanted to see Christ in her. And I think a lot of single people do that. They find someone they're interested in and they look at all the good that they do, which there are a lot of people who are, are, do good out there, but they're missing the right heart. And the Bible's clear is like, don't be unequally yoked, meaning believer, date a believer. And so you got to be careful not just judging someone's goodness, but where that goodness is coming from. And I think a lot of single people fall into a trap of the goodness of somebody rather than the the godness of somebody, meaning like, do they have the heart of God? Right. And that's the difference between a life that matters and a life that matters forever. And I kind of loved that. That almost like a reveal. It's like, hey, we've been saying we want to help you live a life that matters but actually that's not even really what we want. What we want is for you to be able to live a life that matters forever and to invest in something that's going to, and, you know, to clarify, of course, donating $5 to food link for every first time guest can, you know, thing that we get, that's, that's good. That's inherently good acts. Like we're glad for the work that food link does. It's really helpful. But at the end of the day, what Foodlink is trying to do is provide a physical need, which is awesome. But if there's not motivated by a heart, it will make an impact now. And Foodlink should be celebrated for the good work they do now. But it is not work that will last forever because it's not work that will change people's eternities. And you can and should change people's eternities through physical action. 
you know, compassionate action for their physical good. But we can never forget that there's another component to all of this that if we're not helping to shape people's souls, um, then, then we're not changing. We're not, we're not doing eternal work. But the problem here, if there are two kinds of extremes, it feels like there are denominations that went off the rails toward compassion ministry. Let's call those liberal Protestant denominations from, you know, the late, the early 20th century on the mainline Protestant denominations started to have that switch toward let's, you know, liberalism where that happened. But then there's also kind of the, I'll call it more conservative wrong response, which is making it seem like the only thing that we should ever do is talk about people's souls or the only kind of work that matters is gospel work. So then, you know, in church, there were denominations that made it seem like the only kind of thing you could grow up to be that mattered was like a missionary. You had to, you had to be a missionary or you're wasting your life. And it's kind of like, well, no, it's really good to be a doctor. It's really good to be a anything, a a plumber, you know, an electrician that's still work that can honor God. As long as, as you're an electrician, you're doing it in such a way that you're thinking about people's eternities as you're wiring up their house. (laughs) Right. It's not both. It's not, it's not one or the other. It's both. You know, that's, that, that was the commitment we made this weekend is like, I want to matter here on earth, but not, not to forsake eternity. You know, Mm -hmm. God's not calling you to just focus on eternity and miss out on the here and now he's saying, Hey, get eternity taken care of. And because eternity is taken care of, it will give you the freedom to live the way you need to, to have an impact here on earth right now. And I think, you know, a lot of Christians today, they, they focus too much on here and now at the extent of eternity, or they focus way too much on eternity that they forget God wants them to have an impact here and now. And Mm -hmm. we have to merge those two things together in the right order. And we will leave a legacy and we'll have a legacy we're headed towards. Yeah. Beautiful. And I I feel like we'd be crazy if we didn't at least acknowledge that entirely unfair video in the middle of that message. Your mom. Oh my goodness, dude. That was so powerful and just incredibly brave of her to be raw like that with our church. And I I don't know. I don't want to, we don't have to talk about it too much because I'm sure it's hard to talk about, but yeah, it was definitely hard to watch. I mean, I, I bawled my eyes. I had to watch that video like 400 times so I could actually respond afterwards, say words after Mm -hmm. it. I think though, like what's interesting about this, this, you know, this conversation of a life that matters now and forever, I think one way you can distinguish between the two is when tragedy happens. If you don't have eternity taken care of, tragedy is completely devastating. It's like my mom said, it would be unbearable to do this. But when you have eternity taken care of, you can navigate a tragedy, even though it's hard. Like no one's saying it's not hard or difficult, but you, you navigate it with hope where this is where the two merge. I think I've seen this in my own life and in my mom's life is these two merge together beautifully when tragedy happens, eternity is taken care of. And then because of that tragedy, you merge eternity with here and now and have an impact through the hope that you have. And I think right. we saw that this weekend, and I think my mom did, was, man, she, dad had a life that mattered not only here and now, but a life that mattered forever. And that gave us the hope and the ability to impact people's lives right now because we're not so devastated that, that we can actually think of other people and how God wants to use this. And you said, you know, people place their faith in Christ even this weekend, right? There were people who texted in? Yeah, 15 people. So Amazing. Let's go. I think that takes us up. We were at 123. So if my math, 138. Wow. 
138. Amazing. And that's, yeah. What for Dennis, you know, I love when you talk about cleaning out the house, it's just like this stuff used to matter. It doesn't matter to me anymore. It's, and, and the, what's great is it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter to your mom in the sense that like what made this meaningful was the memories and the people and the life and the family. And if your dad's whole existence was to uh, accomplish something physically, then what you would have seen with your mom is just grabbing every item and holding it close. Like I can't get rid of anything because this is what he lived for was this stuff. Her willingness to part with it is an indication that she clearly had an eternal perspective. It was like, this stuff mattered to me when it's connected to Dennis or when it's connected to my kids. But if it's not connected to either of those two things anymore, I'm ready to part with it because I know that there's something greater and more significant here. And I, you know, we can't ask him, but I'm confident that Dennis is thrilled at the impact that this story is having. Yeah. I always wonder what my perspective of that moment would have been like if, if I didn't know Jesus and have the hope of Jesus, like, you know, what, how would I react differently to some of those things? Like holding on to, like, it was easy for me to get rid of dad's stuff because I remember, I thought one of the hardest moments of my life would be seeing my dad in the funeral home. So we all got to do a viewing. We all got to go see him. And I thought, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to bear it. And what was so crazy, it was what, it, it was one of the most, it was the, one of the easiest parts because like I, when we walked up to my dad's dead body and I saw him, it didn't, it didn't look like my dad, like his soul was gone. And because of that, that body wasn't my dad. He was cold. He didn't look like my dad. And I know this is kind of morbid and, and weird to talk about like a dead body lying there, but that's the truth, man. I thought I was going to be devastated seeing my dad's dead body. And honestly, I was like, that's not dad. That's literally every, everybody in my family. That's what, that's not my dad. He's gone because the soul was gone. He was with Jesus. Like it's just a temple, a body it's done. It's over. And I was, I was so amazed that like, wow, there is nothing of that temple that actually reminds me of my dad. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. even look like him. Mm. And so it was crazy. And that tension that you just described with the fact that who, the essence of who he really was is, was is with Jesus. And that's who you'll see again. That, that can't lead us to either extreme. It can't lead us to completely ignore our bodies, but it also can't lead us to worship our bodies. What it needs to do is we please God with the bodies he's given us. And someday when we leave those bodies behind, we rejoice that we're with our savior. Like how we treat our bodies is the same as our house, like everything. It's just that all these parallels come together. We have to keep these tensions in mind if we're going to live a life that not just matters, it matters for eternity. Um, we're going to be moving on to a new series. So Drew, anything you want to say as a final conclusion to um, <laughs> a very difficult series to preach? Yeah. I mean, it's like any series it's, you can hear all you want, but until we do what James says to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that's when our lives will matter forever. So like take what you heard, whether it's one or two things and apply it to your life, be a doer of the word and, we'll see fruits of the spirit and that's what we're longing for. So I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Drew and everybody. Happy Memorial day. Hopefully we get a little taste of summer as we kick into next week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you later.